Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Inspired Fire podcast. My name is Chris and I'm your host. And today we have Trip Lanier, who is the author of This Book Will Make You Dangerous. He's also a professional coach and the host of the New Man podcast. He spent thousands of hours coaching people all around the world to get out of the rat race. So that's what we're going to get into. We get into ways of escaping the rat race with not just work, but any rat race your mind might create for yourself. We also get into playing offense in life instead of always trying to play defense and how to overcome difficult situations or conversations with family or friends. I learned so much during my talk with Trip, and I hope you guys get a lot of value from our conversation as well. So without further ado, here it is. Hey, Trip, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for joining the Inspire to Fire podcast. How are you? I appreciate it, Chris. I'm doing well. Thank you. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, you sent me a book and I definitely want to get into that. You're a pretty impressive guy. And, and the book that you sent describes some amazing concepts. Um, the book is called This Book Will Make You Dangerous. And I actually had to be careful uh, taking it around town because people were like reading the cover like, what is this guy reading? But uh, I was like, I swear, it's just, you know, self-help, trying to get better. You know, it's good stuff. But uh, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your self-trip and, you know, what inspired you to write this book. And then before that, even your story before. Well, I'd say what, in, what inspired me to, to write this book, um, you know, I was, I was someone who created some success early on in my life. I was really fortunate. I started my first company five months out of graduating from school. I didn't have any business knowledge. I didn't really understand finances at all. I was a broke college student. Uh, I'd st primarily gone to school for art uh, and then got into media, got into media production, started a company right out of school, like I said, and then it took off. I did really well for myself and I learned some, some really valuable lessons at an early age that uh, you know, I, I, I had plenty of money. I, I, I had designed everything around the lifestyle that I wanted. And for me, I was like, all right, how much money is it going to take for me to go make the music I want to make or to go travel and surf where I want to surf or to go have the experiences I want to have? And I was really, that's what motivated me from an early age more so than climbing some kind of a arbitrary ladder of achievement. Um, and, and so even though I set out to do that stuff and I accomplished a lot of it, like I basically created a version of the four hour work week before Tim Ferriss had even thought about writing that book. Um, I started to run into a place of like, wait a second, this feels kind of empty. It, I, I, even though I was doing so many things that I enjoyed doing, I, I was surprised that I, I had started, I was living in an in outside of alignment with my deeper values. And so to answer your question, what had me write this book? This was the book that I wish I could have been able to read 20 something years ago when I was in that place of what now, what really matters to me now? I, I've got this life. I don't know how long I'm going to get to live. Uh, so what is it that I really want to enjoy? Is it just going to be about chasing money or trying to be more important or whatever those things might be? Or is there something deeper for me? Um, and so I started to, I wanted to answer those questions, but do so in a way that isn't airy fairy or woo woo or weird or too intellectual that, that we couldn't get it. And so for me, it's all about humor. It's all about being really grounded and practical. And, and that's the, the that's the spirit of the book. Yeah. And that, that's the gist. That's what I got from the book as well. It seemed like you were a really down to earth person. Um, and what you were describing is kind of, uh, for us in the financial independence space, we would call that escaping the rat race. And I think that's what you would 
kind of say as well, just these checklists of things that you have to do that society kind of tells you is what success looks like. Um, and you were kind of on your way, you know, you were on the way to success in that traditional sense. Um, but uh, then you, you kind of switched it up and, and you sold your company. Is that right? After 12 years? That's correct. Yeah, I, I had gone through a pretty big awakening on a personal level. I, and I'd really gotten into personal growth and even spiritual development. I was going on meditation retreats and I just was this voracious guinea pig. Like I wanted to experience all these things that were outside of my comfort zone previously. And, um, and I realized uh, that I, I, I felt called to, be, to do something that actually was meaningful for other people. I enjoyed having these conversations with people it's like, what do you really want to do in this lifetime? And then how do we go create that? I was a creative person by, you know, it's just the, essentially who I am. And I liked seeing, creating our lives from that, from that space as well. Not just going and make a record or going and make a piece of art, but like, let's look at our lives through that lens and, and figure out what we want to create instead of like, all right, here's my goal. I'm going to make X amount this year. We put our head down. We don't have any fun. We don't enjoy it. There's nothing in there that lights us up about that. So um, I started to feel out of alignment with some of the work that I was doing there, even though I'd set up this company that most people would kill to have. Uh, but even then, at such an early age, I was like, I can't just keep doing this. I can't do this another 5, 10, 20, 30 years. So what is it that I really want to do? And that's, that's why I started to step into becoming a professional coach. Yep. And um, it's true. Time is our uh, only finite resource. So we have to value it as much as possible. and. Um, so this book, this book will make you dangerous. What do you mean by uh, it will make you dangerous? Like, am I more dangerous now that I've read the book? Can you go into that a little bit? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I, most yeah, of us have no idea. I would say, you know, I, I've, I've, I've coached some pretty accomplished people. I'm talking about people at the top of their game in the corporate world. I'm talking about uh, military special operators, uh, I, you know, I'm exceptional people people that have had a lot of training and a lot of work to, to get to where they are. And what I found is they're just like the rest of us, um, that at the end of the day, we get held back by our core beliefs. We get held back by a sense of like, I don't want to go down that road. That might be uncomfortable. I don't want to go down that road. That might not be secure or safe. I might lose my time or my energy or my money. And, or I don't want to go down that road. People are going to think I'm weird. Look at me. I'm walking around in public. I can't be seen with this book. This is going to be dangerous, right? So it's, recognizing that even though we've evolved to have this, the lifestyle that we enjoy today, which is far different than what even our great grandparents had, we've adapted to a new set of danger. And for us, it's being uncomfortable. It's having some kind of risk to our sense of certainty. It's the possibility that somebody might criticize us. That's what constitutes is what feels dangerous to us on a daily basis now. And so Getting better at playing it safe does not equal fulfillment. I've seen so many people say, well, I'm, something's missing for my life, so I must need more comfort. I must need more certainty. I must need more status. But in the end, it just makes them more and more fragile. It's how we end up being fragile, grumpy old guys is because we just sought more comfort, more security, and more status along the way. So what I'm offering in the book is say, well, wait a second. Comfort's great. Security's great. Status is nice. All of that stuff's good. We need it to a certain extent. But after a certain extent, it starts to work against us. It starts to work against the, the peace of mind and the experiences we most want to have in our lifetime. And so I threw out there that, hey, if we want to really enjoy our lives, if we want to enjoy the time that we're working so hard to 
you know, create and allow, uh, then we got to be willing to be a little bit dangerous from time to time and understand that everything we want is on the other side of that comfort zone. Yep. And, and that's kind of what I got from the book as well. And, and it hits home because at least in the financial independence space, we are so focused on our net worth and trying to grow that net worth to a certain point where we become financially independent. So a loss in net worth it's something that we just want to avoid. And, and of course, I mean, if it goes, if we basically lose money or make a bad investment, it hits us hard. It hits us harder than maybe others. I'm not sure. But um, this concept of playing offense in life instead of defense is one that you touched on in the book. And I think that might be similar to what you're, what you're referring to is we're constantly on the defense, but we need to focus a little bit more on playing offense. Can you give us some examples of of that maybe in real life? Sure. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons. So I can want to eat better and get in shape, but it might just be so that people will not think I'm lazy, right? It's still driven from this sense of inadequacy or a fear, a defense of criticism, right? Or I can go and have this nice house in a neighborhood and have a high net worth but it could be because deep down I've got a feeling of inadequacy that I've never been enough and I still need to prove myself to my father, right? So we can be on this point like, well, if I just get to this level, then nobody will criticize me. My dad will, will, won't think I'm a, a waste of his time. You'd be surprised how much that actually drives us and it becomes a habit that we're looking through life. is like, where's somebody going to think I'm not enough? Where's somebody going to think I'm a loser or that I'm weird? Uh, where's, where's the possibility that I might lose money Oh no, oh no, we get tighter, we get tighter. And, we, and so, we, well, I bet I got to make more. I got to make more. I got to get more. And so that puts us on this hamster wheel thing. Instead of, if I lose money, I'll just make more. I, I, I'm creative. I can go out and make more money if I need to go make more money. That's a far more healthier and grounded, and I would say stronger mentality than the, I can't tolerate a loss. That makes us fragile. So when you talk about those losses in there, it's like, yeah, they come and they suck, but it's also... I can, I can do this. I can take this. I bounce back. That's what I do. I have the resources to do that. So having a defensive mindset is how do I make sure I avoid all these things that I don't want to have it happen? And my day can be completely about that. I'm going to go find the threats and I'm going to make sure they don't happen. Whereas an offensive, or I, I use a creative mindset, is what do, I, what, do the, what do I want to experience? Okay, I want to have this money, but for what? Just to have a pile in the, in the bank? Or to allow me to go have the experiences I most want to have, to connect with the people I most want to be around, to have the, the, the to be able to op, the opportunities to expand and, and explore new things in my life. Most of us, when, when we ask them, what do you want to do? They really don't know. But if I say, what do you want to avoid? They can list off all those things. And that's indicator of that, how our brain is biased to avoid the threats. It's natural. It's part of what has us succeed as a, as a human race. But nonetheless, here we are in the 21st century and we're still operating with this very primitive mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. And it's confidence too. Like, uh, like you mentioned, playing that defense and being hesitant, um, it's almost like a lack of confidence in yourself that you, you wouldn't be able to, to figure out a situation to make a little bit more money or uh, find a little bit more happiness in your journey. And, and that, I do like attacking these goals with confidence in yourself. Um, I think it makes a, a huge difference. So that, that is exactly the way I'd like to, to experience life and, and 
and have, have others as well experience life in that sense and enjoying the journey for financial independence. It's, it's a process, correct? It's about 10 years. Usually it could be less, it could be more, but uh, so many people have this finish line where they feel like at that point, they'll be happy 10 years down the road. Um, how, I, I preach enjoying the journey, but it's, it's not easy. I, I get myself caught up in it too. How do you start to design your life to enjoy the journey now so that you can start being happy today instead of waiting for some arbitrary number to be happy? I think it's an exercise that I like to do with people say, well, let's go. Let's go to your magical finish line in 10 years, 12 years, 15, whatever it is. And then let's say, what's available to you then? What do you imagine you're going to have access to at that point? And we'll go down the list. Oh, I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to have that. I'll be able to finally blah, 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 blah. And I say, great. And we write all those things down. I say, now imagine how you think those things would feel. What's the experience you think it, what you would have as a result? Because whether we know it or not, we have a theory that's like, once I get to this place and I finally have this, like think when you were a kid, right? Christmas morning, I'm finally going to get this toy. I can't wait. I've been pissing myself for the last three weeks thinking about this, knowing that this toy is going to be underneath the Christmas tree and you wake up and, you, and you're wanting this experience. And some of us have woken up, gotten that toy. And then 15 minutes later, an hour later, it wasn't what we expected. It was like, huh? Now that's an indicator that we had an, we had a theory that once I have this thing, I'm going to experience this other thing. And though I like to group those, those basic experiences into four basic groups. I'm going to have freedom. I'm going to feel free. I'm going to feel expansive. I'm going to feel alive. Yes, I'm going to be in a state of flow or I'm going to be in a state of like fire lit up. I'm going to feel loved. I'm going to feel connected. Like, oh, once I finally cross this finish line, people are going to accept me. I will belong. I'll be loved. I'll have my people. I'll have my tribe. And the last one is I'm going to have a peace of mind knowing that everything's okay and, and whatever happens, I can take care of it. So what I say is that, well, if those are the things you ultimately want, right, that's what the finish line is promising for you. Freedom, aliveness, love, peace of mind. Then how can we start to allow those things today? Not just 10, 15, 20 years from now, but how do we start to say, look at your day now and say, what would have me feel more free today, more alive today, more connected, more loving today, more, more peace of mind today? And we start to realize that we're putting a lot of pressure on this concept of financial freedom, financial independence to rescue us. It's just another rat race that even the corporate guys are following. Because in their mind, once they get to a certain level, they're going to be free. They're going to finally be alive. They're going to finally have peace of mind. You're just trading one for the other. I've seen people do this with spiritual journeys. And once I finally get to this place and I've cleansed myself of whatever, blah, 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 and I've meditated, I'll finally be there. Like you can take anything and turn it into this trap. So I'm not into traps. So I help my clients say, let's do more of that today. And then we start to realize that, hey, I can be working towards something that means a lot to me, but I'm already expanding what truly matters to me today. I'm not waiting. Yeah. Um, I love that you mentioned the rat race in terms of the corporate guy and in terms of financial independence or in terms of spirituality, because I actually never thought of it like that. I was thinking financial independence is all about escaping the rat race, but you're right. Part of it in a way is a rat race if we're not designing our happiness today, um, as you mentioned. You see it with fitness. You see it with 
you know, any kind of status stuff once I'm popular on Facebook or social media, whatever those things, anything can become that trap is once I get to this number, once I get to this thing, then I'm set. Mm-hmm. You can it, you turn it into anything. It, all, it can all be a trap. So, and, and that's uh, kind of like the hedonic, hedonic ab- adaptation. Have you heard of that concept? Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's a big core of the book is that we've adapted. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So I think it, it's great that you brought that up in an indifferent way as well, breaking down the freedom, aliveness, love, and peace. Those are like four pillars that you can kind of have a balanced lifestyle around. But how do we balance reminding ourselves of our good fortune? Uh, every day we wake up and we have uh, food on the table or shelter, etc. Um, and then also the ambition that we might have in ourselves to gain more because that's just something, you know, passionate people, especially in corporate world or pursuing financial independence, there's some ambition to us, correct? And then does that bring fulfillment, that ambition as well? How do we balance the two? Um, again, we can do the right things for the wrong reasons. So if our ambition is driven from a core belief that we're not enough, that we're inadequate, that we suck, you know, it's like it's the the fat guy inside of a skinny guy's body, right? It's like he's never going to be enough. He's never going to feel that way. Then you can be striving to fill that empty hole. So I would want to, I would want to understand that that's what's really driving me if I were going to f- feed into that more and more. The other side is, what do I want to create? I'm loving my life. I'm enjoying my life. And I also want to improve it. I'm not done. I'm not going to just gonna sit on my ass here. I'm a creative person. My, my opportunity in this lifetime is to create new experiences and to create new opportunities. So what, how do I want to play? Mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying what I've got, but I'd also like to expand in these ways as well. Uh, and so the, the core thing, and I mean, this comes up, it's probably the most, you know, the most, the most common practice that I've heard on after doing my podcast for 13 years is, is every guest talks about doing a, a, a gratitude practice every day. What's going well? What's a win? What are you celebrating? What are you grateful for? You'd be surprised how much your air conditioning you really appreciate until it's gone. My air conditioning was our, our hurricane, the hurricane knocked out our AC last week. So we were without an AC until last week, until just the other day. Man, what a difference life is like <laughs> without an, an air conditioner and the 100 degree heat index, right? So it's just like, look at all the things that are going well on a daily basis, because even a mundane day, you would, you, there will be days where you're like, God, I wish it was just a mundane day. I got into a car accident today or somebody I, I care about got hurt. I got hurt or I had a loss in the market or whatever those things might be. It's like, I would rather just come back to even the most mundane things. So how could you be grateful for those things today? But then also come back to this idea of, okay, and given that things are going well, what do I want to create? What do I want to experience? Instead of, do I really need to run away from this? Do I really need to prove I'm not a loser? Those are the types of things you can start to weed out with some, with some practice and be like, okay, I don't really need to prove anything. So what do I want to create? What do I want to expand? Touching on the discomfort and, and the fact that your AC got blown out, my AC was out as well. And it was, it was horrible. The guy told me, <laughs> uh, could I come back in three days? I'm like, can, really? I need AC now. <laughs> so I, I understand that. But uh, it's the gratitude part, which is the exercises, correct? Like, reminding yourself of what you have do you think that that's enough or do you think sometimes it really does take um with being without ac do you think waking up and saying hmm at least i have ac i'm thankful for that is that enough or do you think we would we should be putting ourselves not torturous positions but 
kind of feeling a little bit of that, um, like turn off the AC, see how hot it can get, and then turn it back on and say, this feels great. You know what I mean? Sometimes do you feel like you actually need to experience it other than just thinking it and saying you're grateful for it? You know, one of the things we're talking about here is like when, when we're so committed or we're so afraid of being uncomfortable, we can increase our capacity for discomfort. Mm-hmm. We can increase our capacity for discomfort. And so this is where the workouts we do in the gym can do that. Like when you put yourself into an intense state, not a dangerous state, not where you're going to be hurt or anything, but to put yourself in a, in a state where your brain is going, stop, I can't take it anymore, right? But you know you're not in danger. But to actually experience those things, you start to realize that there is a threshold where your brain says, I'm done, but actually you're not done. That, that part of you that is screaming and saying, I can't tolerate this is done. But then you, you're actually, you find out you're, you're far more capable than that. And I think it is healthy to find those areas and go like, okay, there's that voice. I'm familiar with this voice. This is the guy that wants to give up way before he needs to. I talk about in the book uh, places where I've gone into free diving courses and that kind of thing where you push yourself and your body is, is screaming and saying, I'm going to die. And wow, that breath, when you come up, you take, I don't know how many thousands of breaths a day, but that breath when you come up is glorious, right? So I'm not a big fan of deprivation. I'm not, I, I, so many people feel like they need to punish themselves in order to earn their, their, their place on this planet. I'm not, I'm not for that. But I do think that it's, it is really healthy to get in touch with that voiceness that wants to quit, that says we can't tolerate enough. And again, to be very, uh, it, it's, be very clear that we're not hurting ourselves or we're not uh, damaging ourselves in any way. It's not about turning yourself into a martyr. It's, there's, there's plenty of people that know, go out there and tolerate more bullshit on a daily basis. And they, they do this in order to climb the ladder and whatever ladder they've chosen to do in life. I'm not for that. I'd rather you do less of that tolerating stuff. But I think it's really powerful when you talk about confidence, which is, I know I can handle this. I've expanded myself. I know how to confront that threshold. And when that voice comes up and say, I can, I can do this. And I think that that starts to feed into that aspect of like, yeah, it is great to, have, uh, to not be carrying a bunch of weight right now. Or it does feel great to not be without a breath right now. The most basic things suddenly become really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, also preparing for that discomfort or that suck like you say um being prepared that hey there's going to be a little bit of that uh discomfort coming up but uh, i know i would be able to get through it especially if you're something that you find purpose in you know if that's something you want to do which is help others etc like it might not happen the next day or next week um, but just being prepared and not giving up too soon um, is, is a powerful concept it is powerful, especially if perhaps you were raised to feel entitled that you shouldn't have any discomfort. You shouldn't have any challenge. Mm-hmm. There's been quite a lot of us that have been basically lifted up over the obstacle course. We've never really had to solve our own problems so that when we do feel discomfort and we do feel uncertainty and we have to put in the effort, there's a part that's like, well, wait a second, something's wrong here. This isn't right. This isn't fair. I shouldn't have to go through the tough thing. And uh, it's, it's wonderful to know that deep down I can handle the tough thing. And the tough thing doesn't mean something's wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes you, it makes you stronger, actually, uh, most of the time when you come back out, when you come out of it. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking about stronger, you mentioned strength gauge, a strength gauge in, in your mind in the book. 
Um, can we dive into that a little bit? I, I thought that that was really interesting how you apply that to your day-to-day life. Sure. I had a conversation with a, with a coaching prospect a couple of years ago, and this person was from the outside. If you look at their LinkedIn profile, you look at what they've done. It was, it was really impressive. The people this person had worked with and, and, and she was stepping into this really high level role at this very forward thinking company. The upside was huge. If this company took off, she would, she could be making close to billions. Like she'd be moving into that realm. It was big, really big. Okay. And we went through all the, all the things that were going on. And I said, is this, uh, but she was, she felt trapped. She felt boxed in. She felt drained, just stressed out. Uh, she had, wasn't spending any time with her family. Like her marriage was falling apart. And I, I, I remember just asking her, I was like, is this making you stronger? Is this, is this version of success for you actually making you stronger? And she, she was kind of like, I, I don't understand. And I was like, well, you don't work out. You don't take care of yourself. You don't eat well. You're not sleeping. You don't spend time with your family. Like even just on a basic level, the, the basic needs that we have as human beings, you're denying for that. And we just started to look in her life where she was depriving herself on all these levels just so that she could be super wealthy. And something was out of whack there because we started to see that she wasn't doing this to be strong. She was doing it to be successful. And when she realized the cost it was taking on her body, on her family, and all the things she said were really important to her, we started to see how out of alignment that she was. And so the work became, how do we create more alignment so that you can be successful if that's what you want. You can be financially successful, but it wasn't going to be at the cost of making you weak as a result. Yeah, and alignment is, is key. Of course, finding out exactly what you value from the freedom, aliveness, love, peace standpoint. What is it that brings you all of that? And, um, and then doing things that will make you stronger in that sense. So, so that strength gauge that you talk about, it's applying, uh, just measuring if that daily activity or whatever you think you're going to do or want to do is making you stronger or weaker. Is that right? Yes. And let's talk about what strength is in this context, because a lot of folks will just think, well, is this a fitness thing or whatever? Yeah. But, but a lot of times it's just like it, at the end of the day, do I have a sense of like, I did good work today. There's a sense of satisfaction. Or is it, I just busted my ass and I went through a lot of drama and it doesn't matter. Like, it's just the same shit, different day kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Ah, Got to ask yourself a hard question, there, right? <laughs> so Okay, well, then how would we adjust that? Well, what makes you stronger? Well, what makes me stronger is, is doing work that I actually feel that matters. It makes an impact. That strengthens me. That has me feel more expansive, right? Uh, it's just finding the, the, the different habits that we do throughout the day, whether you're just on the phone and dealing with drama or arguing with people in comment sections or whatever these types of things we might be doing. We think it's important, but is it really making you stronger? No, actually, I'm in a state of anxiety. I'm in a state of rumination as I'm imagining what I'm going to respond to people and what they're going to say back to me. Is that really making you stronger? Is that, is that how you want to live your life? Huh, not really. Okay, well, let's ditch it. Let's go spend your time doing something more creative and expansive instead. So it's just looking at these things. Where are we giving away our peace of mind? Where are we getting involved in things and habits, whether it's food, the way we move our body, the types of information that we're, that we're bringing in that has us thinking toxic shit, it's just like, wait a second, I'm choosing this stuff. This is my choice. Is this really what I want to do? It's poisonous. I don't want it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and like you said, it's choice. Uh, every day we have choices. We don't think that they are choices that they're bringing in all that anxiety, but they really are. If you, if you really think about why is it that you're feeling that way, you can cut it out. And, and that's, that's amazing. So there's also fears that drive our success or make us weak. Um, is that right? Can you talk about maybe the three big fears I think that you mentioned in the book or some other fears that you might have on the top of your mind? Yeah, we've touched on them already. The, the, the idea that this big fear, what feels dangerous these days, and, and as, we've adopt, as we've evolved, right? Um, we've evolved to believe that uh, if I'm uncomfortable, that's dangerous. Oh my gosh, what, what do you mean? My air conditioner's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's, there's no way. I, I got to have, have AC guy come back today. I can't have three days. We're going to freaking die in here without AC. Like, listen to our language, right? Yep. But guess what? You won't. There's people that lived in Florida and lived in the South for hundreds of years, right? And they, they did it. It was hot and they did it, right? So it actually won't kill us. It'll just be uncomfortable. And it sucks. We definitely prefer the AC, but it won't kill us. But our brain will have us believe it's going to kill us. Same thing with uncertainty, the sense of safety. Uh, am I going to be okay? You'd be surprised how many guys I, I know that have seven-figure savings that think they're going to die if... X, Y, Z goes tits up or whatever. Like they, they really think like it's, it's all going to go, they're going to go to shit if they go backwards in some way uh, and have to move to a different neighborhood or whatever. That feels like death to them. Is it really going to be a death? Absolutely not. They'll be fine. But that's the big fear. I can't deal with that uncertainty. I can't deal with any kind of risk to my time or energy or money. That, that holds them back. And then the big one is that sense of what will others think of me? What will I think of me? Can I accept that this is who I am? How many, how many people probably are interested in fire concepts, but deep down think their, their social circle is going to make fun of them because they're, they're leaving the rat race? What are you doing? What do you mean you're leaving the corporate thing? We're all in this together. Don't you want to have a gazillion dollars and, and live in the big mansion up the hill? What are you talking about retiring early and living a simple life? What are you, a loser? How many of those guys are just like, I can't possibly live like that. I have to live in that in this specific neighborhood and have my kids go to this specific school and all those types of things, because that's how I know that I'm important and that I matter. And so those are the three big things I see over and over holding us back. They fall into those three buckets of comfort, security, and then status. Those are the, those are the big dangers. The, the, anything that threatens those things are the fears that we, we tend to uh, pay attention to most. Yeah, thank you for laying that out trip just like that. I mean, that, and the last part, status, hits home for the financial independence community because it's true. A lot of us live a double life at times, depending on who we want to know, whether it's our employer or our family. We can't tell certain people of our, our passion or our dream to live a certain lifestyle because there's a lot of negatives that come along with it, which is, don't you have ambition for more? Or what do you mean? Or what if the X, Y, and Z happens, like you said? Um, there are horror stories that can happen and yeah, it might derail you. Um, but we don't go into it thinking that the absolute worst will happen to us. How, I, I love that you touched on that. So how do you coach somebody to like, what avenue would you guide people? Does it depend on the person um, in order to escape this rat race or this thinking? Would it be like entrepreneurship, minimalism, building a passive income, or just spirituality what what is it that would guide you to say hey why don't you start looking or working on this etc does it depend on the person really 
Oh, absolutely. There's no pulling anything off the shelf. The way that I work with people is my job is to draw out what they want. So what's eclipsing that? It's their fear of discomfort. It's their fear of uncertainty. It's their fear of losing status. Most of the time, that's what's driving their daily actions. So imagine if you could pull that away. What if you weren't so afraid of, of being uncomfortable? Well, then you might be able to be willing to work hard on certain things, or you might be willing to have difficult conversations. That opens up a whole new realm of possibilities. Imagine if you're willing to take risks a little bit more, not a lot, but just willing to take some risk with your time and energy and money. Oh, well, I might invest in myself or I might make these other investments over here. Okay, that starts to open up other possibilities too. Imagine who you'd be if you weren't worried about fitting in. If you weren't so worried about measuring up to these expectations that you've placed on yourself or who, these, who you believe others think you should be. What happens then? So when you start to peel those layers away, you start to find out who this person really is. And that's where coaching comes in and say, we're going to act more in alignment with that. I'm not interested in helping you just do the shit that has you feel more safe or more secure or are impressive to people. That's boring to me. I want to know who the real guy is in there. And we're going to draw that out and have you align your actions more and more with him. And that's where it's going to feel dangerous. You're going to be like, oh man, well, that might be uncomfortable. It might be a little riskier. What are they going to think of me if I actually start to do this? But we just do baby steps a little bit at a time and you build momentum and, 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 before you know it, you're just acting more and more in alignment with that. And that's where we feel that freedom, that aliveness, that you have, the people that are in your life genuinely love and, 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 and connect with you because they, they love who you are instead of you know, who, you, who you think you have to be in order to impress them. And all of that impacts the peace of mind that we have. Yep. And uh, the difficult conversations that you raised, um, could you give us an example of maybe just a quick one, if, if you have one off the top of your mind, but one that would just kind of solidify that idea of how somebody would start with having that difficult conversation. Put it, somebody uh, it doesn't want to tell their significant other of the financial independence movement that they just found and, and they really are, are excited for it, or maybe their family or, or, or whoever, their friends, because they're they're, they have that fear of backlash or, or getting put down. Uh, yeah. Where, where would somebody start with maybe that difficult conversation? Well, the first thing I like to do is let's figure out what you want, what's important to you. And so maybe, maybe the client says something like, you know, I, I really wouldn't want to, the more I learn about financial independence, the more that I want to, I want to put my time and energy towards that. But, but what? But I don't think my wife's going to go along with it. There's just, she likes to shop. She likes to have the nice things. She wants to live in that neighborhood. And so it's like, oh my gosh, like this could mean the end of our marriage. If I were to really commit to this and she's not a yes to it, then will she still love me? That's a huge dilemma. That's a huge bind. So, okay, I may ask the guy, what's the story you have? What's the assumption? I, well, my assumption is if I bring it up, she's going to criticize me. She's going to belittle me. She's going to make fun of me. She's going to shut me down or whatever those things are. I'll say, great. And then what if she did? Would that be the end of the world? Right, let's just go there. Let's die. Let's just die right now. Like, imagine <laughs> that's what actually happens. Would that be the end of it? Would that be the end of you? Well, I guess not, right? It might be uncomfortable, right? But would that really be the end of it? And you just start to realize, oh, that's the thing I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding is that discomfort of the criticism or the blowback or, or the misunderstanding. And then to tap into that deeper part of us and say, well, it would suck, but I'd be okay. 
And then we could go through some skillful ways of, of just talking about, say, hey, I'd like to set up a time. I want to talk to you about these ideas that I'm really into. And I want to um, I I explain why they mean a lot to me. And then I want to talk about maybe we could start to see if there's some ways that we could move more in this direction. Would you be open to that? Right. So you don't just drop it on this person and then expect this person to be on, you know, on fire with these ideas just because you are. You slowly weed into it, but you're not hiding anything anymore. You're not in the closet about these things. And you're not carrying around this resentment because you, you're buying into this idea that your partner isn't on board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems as though the same concept keeps coming up, which thank you for bringing up that you would tactfully go about the, the discussion because that's important. You, know, you don't want to just spring it on somebody. Um, especially your spouse or a family member. But yeah, you, you don't want to be so afraid that you never tell them. And maybe that dream of yours just dies within because you just never, you just killed it before you even were able to say, let me try to attack it. And and it goes back to that same concept of what you're saying. You're so afraid of something and you just say, get to that place in your mind. Just fast forward and see, what what is it? Did you die? Um, because if you didn't, then maybe let's see if we can do something about it. Um, that seems this, to be the the driving force behind a lot of getting around these fears. This is why we've got to have a, a much bigger perspective about our life. This is why we've got to be in touch with what really means something to us. Because otherwise, this primitive brain will just, it just goes through the day. What do I got to do to make sure I don't, I'm not uncomfortable? What do I make? What do I do so that I'm not at risk? What do I do so that I don't get into a fight or I, you know, rock the boat with my wife? And we just get into that reactive place day after day. And in the back of our minds, like one day, one day, I really hope that something falls out of the sky and she's the one that comes up and gives me permission to finally talk about financial independence the way that I want to. That's a victim mentality. And there's a, there's a lot of powerful, quote, powerful guys that live that way. They're afraid to talk to their partners about the finances, especially finances, especially sex, right? Those types of things like, yeah, we just don't talk about that stuff. We'll go way into debt. We'll go into do all this dumb stuff that has a huge impact on our long-term sense of well-being financially, but we won't have these conversations. I'll go jump out of a plane. I won't have this conversation with my wife. Now, you tell me what's dangerous in that scenario. I'm going to yeah. say jump out of the plane, right? <laughs> yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, but you're it's right. True. It's just the way uh, our minds are programmed sometimes or, or society. I'm not sure what it is, but you're so right. It's, we would rather I'll go jump do a Spartan race. I'll go do a Spartan race. I'll do a Tough Mudder. I'll jump out of a plane. Will you have a conversation with your wife about your finances? No. <laughs> right? exactly. it's, it's hard. I have compassion, right? But mm-hmm. when, you, when you zoom out and you say, wait a second, is this really how I want to live my life? Is this really it? is to be bullied by my own thoughts, to be bullied by my fears, or is it I'm going to take a stand for what I really believe and understand that that conversation may suck. It may be, there may be an understanding. It may be something we have to revisit a week later, but it's something that it's worthwhile. I'm playing the long game here instead of the short game of what do I do to be comfortable? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I love the, the concepts that you describe in this book, and I think we can go on and on. I mean, if you're okay with it, I'd, I'd like to get into... Uh, just a little bit more, but, um, but yeah, it's just sure, so, let's many, do it. so many great things in this book. Can you go into the suck of learning? That was one thing that caught me. Um, a lot, you know, your pool story, for example, um, <laughs> <laughs> can you just, uh, I don't know, something to, to lighten the mood or. Well, think about this. Think, a lot of times 
So let's say I'm working with a client, right? And, and he's like, yeah, I want to I go down this road. I want to I do this thing. He's, he's all right, I'm on board. And then we're in it. We're in a few weeks in. He's like, you know what? This sucks. This is bullshit. I don't, I don't want to deal with this. And it's like, okay, well, let's look at where you are in the process. Because learning how to do something is way different. The experience of learning how to do something is way different than being able to do it. So I love to swim. I go in the ocean regularly. Learning how to swim sucked. Some woman just threw me in the pool and I thought I was going to die. That was not a, I was not like, hey, this is great. I want to do this the rest of my life. In fact, I want to live near the ocean so I can do this every day. I just thought I was going to die, right? So that's an extreme example, but riding a bike can suck. Learning to, excuse me, learning to ride a bike can suck, but riding a bike's really fun. Sex was really weird for me the first time around. It was like, I don't know what the big deal is here, but sex became really enjoyable after that. Didn't take long. <laughs> so just, just, it's just good to keep an eye on where we are in that learning process and give ourselves permission to, it's okay to suck. We don't have to do the deprivation thing or the martyrdom thing, but say, let me get to a place where I've got a bit of competency here. Because there's been places in my business where there's been so many things I had to learn. And I'm just like, you know what? I want to throw in the towel. This sucks. I don't want to do this. This isn't what I want to do. I can't see myself doing this another 20 years. And I get a level of competency with it and say, oh, this is fun. When I can do this thing, it's actually really fun. And, and I want to keep doing it. So I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's great to have that mature mindset of recognizing, hey, I'm in the learning process. So it's going to suck. But if it still sucks, even though you know how to do it, that's where, we, that's where we would want to start asking some other questions and say, well, why are you doing it? Why aren't you delegating this? Why, why isn't somebody else helping you with this? And, and let's go have you focus on the things that you do best and you enjoy doing. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's such a good point. Um, if it sucks while you're learning, not so bad. You know, you might get to a point where once you get confident in it, then it's fun. Um, but yeah, once you're, you're pretty good at it and it still sucks, then maybe it's just not for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and you have a quote that describes it pretty well as well, which is success looks like failure in the middle. It's kind of similar, um, in a sense that you just, you have to go through some learning process and it's going to suck, but that's just the middle. That's what it looks like when you're on your way to success or, or to a better place. Sometimes it's just what you have to get through. How many, how many talks on, how many TED talks have you watched? And they start out and it's this kind of, that's when I, you know, hit rock bottom and blah, 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 blah. It's like, you know, can you imagine the TED talk? It's like, it's always been awesome for me. I've never had any mistakes. And it's just going to continue to get awesome for me. It's just like, nobody cares. <laughs> so I'm not saying that we tell, that we go through those, those things so that we can tell the story, but that's, that's where the gold is. I mean, if we're in the, the hero's journey is just to recognize, like, even in the middle of it, sometimes these things are like, all right, I've been through these before. They suck. I've been through some really nasty ones. I don't want to go through them again, but I'm going to learn something from this. I'm going to take something away from this, um, and, and I'm going to be able to use it. It's going to make me stronger. I think it's better than that than, why is this happening? This is unfair, and, you know, start to, start to go down that road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those TED Talks didn't make the cut. That's why we never see them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get up here and talk about how I'm entitled and I'm a victim. You know, it's like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Trip, it's a lot of fun having you in the booth today and just talking money and life and um, your wealth of knowledge. And, and it shows that you have so much experience in, in coaching these different types of people from all different types of backgrounds. Um, what ideas or events? I want to leave you with this. Anything interesting coming up? 
uh, that you may want to share with the audience. I know you've got an audio version of the book coming soon for those who would prefer that. Is that right? Yes. We're any day now. Audible is supposed to drop it. We've been hearing any day now for months. So apparently the virus has really done a number on Audible's quality assurance program. So, uh, but hopefully any day we'll have the, the Audible version as well. Cool. And um, anywhere else that they, you know, the audience can find you and just maybe get more of Trip. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've been doing the New Man podcast now for well over a decade. So there's, there's lots and lots of information on there. Uh, stuff that I've written, but also many interviews that I've done with all types of people. So uh, you can check that out. That's all free. And then I've got a ton of free offerings available at the newmanpodcast.com. If you want to learn more about the coaching that I do, you can go to triplinear.com. And then the book is available on, on every Amazon, no matter what country you're in. Cool, cool. And, and you had Tim Ferriss on the show, I think? Tim Ferriss, yeah. We've had Ferriss on the show. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's a great episode. I'm going to go actually listen to that one after this. And, uh, you know, try and send him an email because if he gets on my show, then that'll be fantastic. You'll be set for life, man. That'll set be it. That's life. all you need. You'll finally be free and alive exactly. <laughs> and loved and peace of mind forever. <laughs> well, Tripp, thank you so much for, for joining the show. I appreciate it. And uh, Hey, Chris, thank you so much. I, I appreciate that you actually went through the book and you had great questions. So yeah, wonderful, man. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. All right, Tripp. Take care. Till next time. So I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. I found this topic that we discussed to be so valuable, not only to pursuing financial independence, but also getting the most out of life and approaching life with confidence instead of fear. What resonated with me was Tripp's explanation of that voice inside your head that tells you discomfort needs to be fixed immediately. I agree that in many areas of life, such as fitness or finance, this voice inside your head can cause you to give up far too quickly. He did talk about making sure that you are safe and you listen to your body in that sense as well. But that voice, it doesn't like discomfort. Uh, We're trained to avoid discomfort in any way. So I, I love that he mentioned that that voice is just a voice and you can tell it, you can, you can acknowledge it, but know that you're capable of more. Another takeaway for me was when he mentioned that a lot of times learning something new is not fun. Learning to ride a bike might not be fun if you're falling and scraping your knee. Learning a new language can be very frustrating at first, but the reward of a wonderful bike ride or an in-depth conversation with somebody in another language is where it all pays off. So not letting that initial discomfort or frustration keep us from the reward once we've mastered that craft is so important. So again, I hope you guys got a lot out of this show. And if you have, please subscribe and share this show with your family and friends. I have a new show every other Thursday. So stay tuned for more great episodes. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time.